fish swimming past a car. That was his first memory. He was standing in water up to his waist before the wave began to recede. Fish, the brilliant colors, that was the first thing he remembered. N wasn't sure where he was going. He walked around slowly after the sea finally withdrew. He didn't see many other people. The few he encountered were wandering as aimlessly as himself. At one point, he heard screams. It could have been a human being or an animal in trouble. Then came the itching. Not that it was overwhelming in any way, but it was there, vaguely annoying. He waved his hands over his arms and legs, shooing away the flies that were drawn to his wounds. His mouth was dry, but he couldn't bring himself to drink from any of the hundreds of water bottles that had spilled from their crates in the mess outside a shop. Some villagers found N and pulled him up onto a flatbed truck and took him away from the sea. Packed in close to other people, he sensed their fear. In the back of the truck, people talked too fast, calming down only after the tractor pulling them began to struggle into the hills beyond the village. Up there by the trees, lots of people had gathered. Someone gave him water. He drank and returned the bottle empty. A man, seeing his bloody arms and knees, led him to a paved spot where the wounded were being treated. Most were lying on the ground. A nurse came up to him. She looked concerned, but couldn't do much beyond wash out the deepest wounds with water. She apologized several times for not having brought more supplies from the infirmary in the village. Then N sat down, stayed put. Someone tried to make small talk, but he didn't answer. Another held up a pot of rice. He waved it away. In the evening, they heard the sound of a helicopter. People got excited and started shouting, but the noise faded. An evening breeze stirred the trees. The rumors died away. Night fell among the groves on the mountain. N moved from the pavement onto the bare ground, which felt less cold. He curled up, but soon froze, anyway, and the cuts on his knees began to ache. It was impossible to find a comfortable position, and in the end he sat leaning against a tree. There he managed to nod off a few times, but in half-sleep he began to think of the fish again, their bright colors. Other images rose up as well. He saw the little girls, their faces, and a woman. Heard their voices. A woman and two children. He wasn't at all sure that they were his, but it had been morning, and they had sat and eaten something. They had eaten together. Then there was once again only the memory of the fish. Someone crouched down next to N. He felt an arm hold him. He did not hear the sounds of his own moaning. People near him thought he was crying. The sun went up and then down again. Yet another night spent on the mountain. The next morning he was seized with such thirst that he grabbed and emptied the bottle of water that stood near the little boy who slept next to him. On the third day, a group of soldiers in a jeep said that everyone could return to the village. The danger was past. N's wounds were swollen and festering, and the nurse washed them one last time and said that he must get to a hospital. Said he had a fever. He needed help. 
and so he joined the thin line of people returning down from the mountain. At first he had trouble orienting himself in the village because of all the destruction and debris. The sun was torture. But then he recognized the car he'd been standing beside when he saw the fish, and the mess of water bottles in the street outside the shop. He opened one and drank. In the distance he saw the gable of a house he thought he recognized. Then he approached and wasn't sure. White walls stood without a roof. Most of the building had collapsed. All signs of the small hotel were gone. There was no trace of the inner courtyard, he remembered, only rubble. Planks, piles of plaster, palm leaves. Pool chairs lay like wrecked boats on top of the mess. They had steel frames.